Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Jake and the Paint podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by my man, Robel, straight off of Twitter. You might know him as Robel. What's your handle? Give me your handle. I don't know. Robel Tussin. Robel Tussin. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to make sure I botched that because I know you had a good handle. Um, But huge platform on Twitter. Great YouTube channel. Um, You probably know I'm a big Raptors fan, super knowledgeable about all levels of basketball. So, I hit him up and said, look, we got to do this podcast around when the bubble's coming back. We can talk NBA, we can talk whatever, just any hoops. And he said, I'm in. So really glad we can make this happen. And thank you for coming on. Appreciate it, man. I like like the way that you do too. That's why I really wanted to come on. So So I want to start because like YouTube is such like a fascinating thing to me because I like my pieces are like basically I wish I could do a YouTube channel because if you want look at my pieces, I have like 25 video clips in there. If I'm like writing on a bunch of guys, like the piece I just put out was like 5,000 words, 25 clips. And like, I have a million more clips that I wish I could throw in the piece, but it's like, damn, I want to like write. And so I want to have the words there. So I try to keep it concise. So the idea of having a video where I can like an eight minute video where I can throw in all the clips that I have on a certain player to articulate everything and then I can just narrate it as I'm going and I don't have to write. I don't have to formulate sentences. I don't have to like think about if it makes sense or not. I can just talk and like have the videos match up with it. Like that's literally a dream come true, but I don't realize, I don't think people realize how like grueling that process is of like getting everything together, writing the script, like putting, like it's really, really difficult and not simple at all. So I just want to talk to you. I want to get a feel for what your process is when like so take it back from the entire like from the from the jump what's your process when you're making a youtube video on a prospect or a player that's in the league right now so so when i make a videos about a player it's like i want to do like as much research as i can because basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to impress like the big well i'm trying to do is trying to impress like the biggest accounts on twitter so when they see it they'll like favorite it or i mean like it or retweet it or something like that so you really have to know like you know you can't just Put your stuff out there and just have someone just talk shit to you and be like yo this is wrong <laughs> stuff like it has happened to me before so you have to know like and then with that it comes like a, a week of research like i do like seven days let's say i make a video on um jonathan kuminga right i watch all of jonathan kuminga's games it takes me like three three games i watch like two games a day because my attention span is not that big but <laughs> i watch like two games a day and then um then i get to write in the script and like the script is like an article basically Right. But you also got to add like, you know, like funny things and stuff like that, just to try to make it more relatable. And that will take like two days. And then the recording process is actually the easiest part when you talk. It's always you're going to always like stutter and stuff like that. But it's actually that's the most fun thing. Mm -hmm. So then you record that only takes like maybe like 30 minutes to an hour. But the editing part is the hardest part by far. Like, yeah, because so that's all the clips. So I don't interrupt you, but like that's where I just like. I've, cause I've tried this once and I was mm-hmm. like, all right, like, because my articles genuine, like I, they kind of feel, it's a little bit like a YouTube script. Like yeah. I, I'll have a lot of like funny references to like pop culture or whatever, to keep things interesting. Like it's not like I've tried to make my niche as a writer, like funny, relatable, easy to read. Like I'm going to give you all the basketball content. I'm going to give you my analysis. I'm going to give you my projection, but like, I want to make it so it's fun to read. So like I've tried this before and I get to the editing and like, I have no idea what to do. So this is this is what I'm really here for. So talk to me about the editing. So for the editing, this is what I do. Um, you basically have to get every single thing you talk about, you have to have an example. That's what I always try to do. Right. Or right. else you got to cut it out. 
like even sometimes I'll have like, um, like this guy does this, but if I don't have an example, I have to cut that whole thing out. So it's like, it's crazy. Cause I could say so much more, but I can't because there's not a clip. Like, let's say I want to talk about a, a minute about like Kate's leadership on the court. How many clips of his leadership on the court? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, how do I say that? So I have to like bring it down to like, you know, um, only me talking about for like 10 seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, just find these clips takes forever. Like, I think my editing process is probably like seven hours, like mm-hmm. something like that. I, I, I try to, like, sometimes I'll do it in one sitting. Sometimes I uh, do it in like two days. But yeah, so that, that whole process, it's, very, it's, it's really frustrating as well, too. So that's like the hardest thing. That's why people, uh, YouTubers hire editors. I know um, I like thinking basketball's videos. He has video coordinators as well. Mm-hmm. So when he does all the crazy shit, um like you know like adding the the circles and like the zoom in points i'm like i wish i could do that but just having like all of that together it's just hard i don't i, don't, I can't do all this like extra stuff so that's why i just try to make it as simple as i can just always have a example for every single clip and that's why i try when i'm when i'm watching a game i cl- like i literally timestamp everything. everything it's like two yeah. pages of every game just anything like if i see him like talking to like if i don't see him running back i'm clipping that like uh-huh. like anything like that so it's just and it has to be really detailed as well because like you know when you go i don't know i don't know if you have the feeling but when you go back to clips do you like miss some like some of the good ones and like so i actually like i've talked to people and like i don't timestamp anything because like mm-hmm. when i go when for college games especially I have to download them because I use video synergy video express. So I have to mm. download them. So like once I watch them, I'm tr- I like, tr- I delete it. Cause like, I have to clear the storage of my computer. I don't yeah. want all these games building up. So I like screen record everything. So I mm. like, and this is what I'm so fascinated about because everyone says, look, you just got to find the process that works for you and then go with it. I tend to overclip things because I don't know what I'm going to want to use as a video example in like, I'd ra- my always thing is like, I'd always rather have it than not, you know, like I'm never yeah. going to go back. So why don't I just clip it and then I'll whittle it down. But like for me, when I do the articles, like it a hundred percent, but right before I publish, it takes me two, uh, two hours to kind of find every clip, convert it into numpy three, put it in the piece, upload it into WordPress. Like this stuff happens and like, we have to do this. And like, I always say, I was yeah. like, man, I wish I had an editor that would like do this for me, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Well. Like you just got to do it. But I just think it's so funny because people only see the end product and it looks great and it's awesome. And everyone's so appreciative of it. It's like, man, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. And the thing is with the editor thing, like everyone wants an editor, but I would never hire one. And for this example, even in your articles, I'm going to give you an example. No one knows exactly what you're talking about. Right. So when you put in the words, if I, if I give this script and I give it to an editor, he's going to, I know he's never going to get the right video for me. I'm always going to be like, ah, uh, mm-hmm. and have to, you have to pay them for doing that too. Yeah. And they don't, no one has your vision. So I'm never going to have like anyone like edit my videos ever just because it's my craft. It's like my like little baby, like my YouTube channel is like, it's my thing. No one can like touch it. No one can co- like come on it unless it's just for a collab or something. But, yeah, that's why I don't like anyone touching my stuff. That's why I do everything like by myself. So, oh, I mean, I yeah. I love that you said that because that's where I'm at. Like, that's literally been my thing. I've been doing this since I was in eighth grade, and mm-hmm. like, I didn't really figure out what my thing was until this past year when I started doing the draft. Like, yeah. I used to write some college basketball stuff. I wrote maybe one or two NBA pieces, and I was kind of all over the place. And that's cool. Like, I was like a freshman or a sophomore in in, in high school doing yeah. this, and 
that's fine. Like whatever. But then once I finally like hit this stride and found this niche, it's like, damn, no one can take this away from me. Like, I mean, I'm mm. sure you people want you to come on and do videos for them. People hit me up yeah. all the time, come right for our site. And it's like, not like, I'd love to, I'm, I'd love to wait for the perfect opportunity, but like, it's just not really like, I haven't found it personally. Like there's nothing better than building your own brand, writing for yourself. Like, I like that. I can like put a curse word and like bleep it out. Like with yeah. Google stars in my article, like that's funny. That's like good to me. That's a brand. Like I like that. I can have a certain writing style that is like, I write, I write my stuff. I reread it and I publish it. Like no one else yeah. reads it. No one else does anything. And like, I just, there's no substitute for building your own thing. And I love, I got love that you said that. Yeah. And I even got some, like, um, I got some people arguing this when I said like, just start your own thing just start your own thing. Like you have your own creative control and I just didn't understand that, but I don't know. Like, I guess some people just aren't like, um, bold enough to do it, but yeah, just starting your own thing is hard, but it's, it's you like, you know, it's everything you make. How is anyone going to, People can judge it, but at the end of the day, you give it to a certain audience, you build your own audience, you build your own brand, and that's just going to benefit you in the future. So I don't know why you wouldn't, wouldn't start your own shit. But. 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm behind that fully. So you did a video on Jonathan Kaminga recently. Yeah. I think it was probably maybe like a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm trying to think about how much Jonathan Kaminga film I've watched. Um, not a ton, but a good amount. Uh, so with Kaminga, you have, we agree that there's a three-way race for the number two spot. And this is where it's out on my board. Most people I talk to, they feel the same way. Cade Cunningham, easily number one. That's not, we're not even going to talk about him here. I yeah. love to talk about him, but we're not going to waste any time. Yeah. Um, and then at two, you kind of have a three-way race between Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, and BJ Boston. And yeah. there's really no perfect guy. And I think I, there's a couple guys outside this group that I think could make a push that I want to talk about. But I think right now, based on the sample we've seen, these three are the top guys. I want to know, before I give my spiel, I want to know where you're leaning and why. Okay, so um, to be honest, I actually think there's kind of a fourth guy. And I think you know what I'm talking about is uh, Jalen Johnson. So yeah, that's who I want That's who yeah. I wanted to talk about. Yeah, but... I guess like everyone's talking about these top three wings and they're kind of like similar in play style. So I just want to talk about these three wings in general, but I'm, I'm just saying James Johnson cause I want to acknowledge him. No, we'll talk to, we'll talk guys outside cause there, I have Jalen yeah. and there's a couple other guys that I think could yeah. make one, but let's talk these three for now. Yeah. Okay. So right now I've Cade and then I've Kaminga, BJ and then green. So um, the reason why I've Kaminga number two, and I understand like the, his negative suit because you know, I'm unbiased. I see like, you know, the mistakes he makes with his field and stuff like that. But um, I think, like, you're, you're talking with PD. I think, like, feel is teachable. And I also think with Kaminga, there's, like, an underlying aspect that people don't talk about is that he came from uh, Congo when he came in, like, ninth grade. And making that adjustment is, like, really hard. So, you know, the lack of feel, I understand it because he didn't play, like, um, organized ba- real organized basketball for a long time compared to like Jalen Green. Jalen Green's probably been playing since he was eight years old. So is BJ. So is majority of these guys. So when they have a lack of feel, I'm just like, okay, that kind of um, like when these type of players, like when it happens to them, okay, that kind of worries me. Well, Kaminga, it's like, I understand it, but I also um, think like um, that it could be teachable. And with his like tools and his skill set and his drive, because coming from, 
like a, a foreign country, a war torn country and coming here and just balling out and assimilating to the culture. Like that's hard. Like I don't think mm-hmm. any kid in the top 10 has gone through what he's gone through. Like I can relate to him because I went through like the same thing. A lot of people don't know that. So it's like, I factor that in with my analysis. So I, I think that that's like a huge testament to his work ethic and his ability to, um, what's it called? Um, adapt to other situations. I think that translates into basketball. So, so I mean, yeah. So first of all, I love that. Like, and this is some my, one of my favorite parts about like draft analysis is that like everyone has a unique point of view. Like, I would never, I don't have those, those experiences, so I could never attribute that to Jonathan Kaminga having a great and versatile personality. Like he's, he can fit in, he can push the adversity. Like that's awesome. And yeah. that stuff, like I, the tough, the thing that I have the hardest time with is that like, I know that these qualitative things matter. Like they mm-hmm. do. I, I'll have my analysis on the court. I'll look at the numbers. We can talk, whatever is available to me. At the end of the day, these qualitative things matter. And like, that's my hardest thing with shooting projection because like something like work ethic and like, like open-mindedness, like that stuff matters when you're overhauling mechanics and building it back up. Like that's is really hard. And you, it takes a certain type of person to come like go through that process and come out on top. So like Mm. that stuff matters, but we have no access to that. So any little information that I can get that points to, a plus personality or a negative personality, like I'm going to take that and I'm going to look at it. And like, yes, that leads to overanalyzing, but I think that stuff matters maybe a little bit more than some people want to lead on. Yeah. So, so that's what I factored in. Um, I just, yeah, I just love the way he plays like, um, just the aggressiveness, his size, his tools. He basically wants to like bully everyone to the rim. And I like that. I don't think he's, um, like he has to rely on that that much. Right. Like I like the jump shot too. Um, I think he's probably like an average shooter from three, but he takes a lot of attempts and he takes some bold attempts too. So that's what I like for a uh, shooting projection. I don't think he'll be 40% in the NBA, but I think he'll be like 36% on like five, six attempts. And then his main thing is the slashing, right? Like I think um, he'll, he'll, he can go past NBA guys and he'll bump them off the spot easily. Like every, like, Right now, he can do that at like what, eighteen years old. So I mean, he um, tr- I he sent Cade like flying. Yeah, the right. Game like that we watched, like he sent flying. Cade, Cade is very very strong. Yeah. He sent Cade flying. He sent Scotty Barnes flying. He sent Gre- he bullied Greg Barnes so bad, like he literally like almost made him go to the stands. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. yeah, it's just once he once he puts down that shoulder, yeah, it's just he won the possession. That's so, it. I also, I originally had Jalen Green number two throughout this entire like school year. I had Jalen Green mm-hmm. number two. Um, I was blown away. I don't know if you've seen the games at hit from him at Chick Fil A when uh, against uh, Lalumere, Lalumere yeah, and yeah, Huntington, yeah. and he basically like the appeal with Jalen Green has always been incredible athleticism, like six yeah. five, lanky, off ball guard who just jumps out of the gym and. Mm-hmm. I get that. Like he was a really impressive slasher, but his handle kind of always held him back. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is a slasher, but he's super skinny and he doesn't have a great handle and the jump shot's kind of wonky. Like what are we really working with here? Yeah. And then you just saw this dude like take real leaps, in my opinion, mm-hmm. from the sum- last summer to the winter as a shot maker and yeah. as a handler. However, going back through the film, I actually think like, I don't know if I want to say this, but like, there might be an argument that his decision making is like worse than Kaminga's because like yeah, at least at least Kaminga like 
will body people and like get to the rim more times than not. Like, yeah, he settles, but I actually don't mind like Kaminga settling versus green settling is different to me because Kaminga's yeah. game is going to be predicated on slashing. Like he's an incredible athlete. Like that dude's frame is off the charts and he's super coordinated and he can get a layup whenever he wants. So him taking pull-up threes to get comfortable with it and taking, getting those live reps at a young age, I'm completely cool. Yeah. With that. Like I'll, I encourage that. Jalen Green just settling for pull-up jumpers when he can get to the rim any time and like he just doesn't get to the rim nearly enough like I can already picture the numbers being like Anthony Edwards-esque like in terms of percentages of shots at the rim like I'm way more confident in Kaminga getting like getting to the rim a lot more and it's not like I think Jalen Green has similar slashing ability and effectiveness maybe not in terms of ceiling at the at the NBA level because Kaminga is so much stronger but in terms of like at the high school level both those dudes could get a layup anytime they wanted Mm. and his decision making the more games I watch is so frustrating so I give the nods of Kaminga number two because Mm. like you just don't find big wings like that who are comfortable shooting off the bounce getting to the rim and the thing with the passing it's bad like the passing is not good don't I don't think it's Mm. good at all however the lanes and looks for him are going to be so easy. Like if mm. we're projecting him at his peak, like he's going to get to the rim and draw so many defenders so easily, especially if that pull-up jumper comes around. Like I think it will that like, I, I think the re like the jump for him to become a plausible passer is, is like feasible. Like that's, I can picture that. Um, the thing with PD and I, like I, we disagree. I don't think feel to the point where you're becoming like a Tyrese Halliburton or a Killian Hayes, like manipulating defenders and doing and like doing a jump pass to keep the tag man in the corner and then hitting the roll like some Luca shit. I don't think that's teachable. I yeah. do think going from like a black hole to a passable playmaker, I think that's like I think that can happen 100. percent And mm-hmm. especially if you're going to be creating the advantages that Jonathan Kaminga is creating. So that's okay. my pitch. So the only thing I would disagree on is the passing. I actually like his passing ability. I so think, I've heard. So I've, I'm open to this because I've heard. Yeah. I think I was talking to Ben maybe, and Ben was like, "I actually like his passing." I can't believe mm-hmm. I can't remember fully. So I do think you've watched more than me, and I'm completely open to my opinion yeah. being changed. So talk to me. So okay. So the thing is, in high school, I think I heard uh, Ben also say. I'm sorry, Ben, if you're listening. I'm going to have to excuse you here too. He said um, the passing was better in AU than um what's it called in high school so okay to be honest, but, yeah before i just so because i've only i've watched one patrick school game so i've watched way more yeah. aau and i didn't think it was great in aau so talk to me about mm-hmm. high school so in high school like the competition was like a little bit worse and mm-hmm. his teammates were bad too so um just but just his like he just understood I can get by my defender and I'm going to make a read after. Like he was trying to read the help defender, stuff like that. And what I, like, he wasn't making anything advanced. It wasn't anything like skip passes or yeah. something like that, but he doesn't need that. Like players that can always get passes, man, or always can make that advantage. They don't need like elite passing ability. So mm-hmm. the dump offs he made were really nice. Like he was making some live dribble dump offs. He, um, the transition passing was interesting too. He had a couple, I think he had like three quarterback passes was like accurate on the money. Now the accuracy is what I'm, um, what he's not good at. Like the, the players, they fumble the ball when they catch it. And like, it's his fault when he throws it. Like he sometimes just throws out of bounds a little bit. So the accuracy is what he has to fix on. 
but I know he sees it. That's the thing. Like, I know he sees it. I know he understands. Like, if I give it back, back to my man, I don't only have to pull up. I could, I could still pass and something mm-hmm. like that. So I like the dump off passes a lot. And I think the dump off is um, where you go into as a passer. I think, like, that's, like, step one. I and agree. I think he has kind of, yeah, I think he's, like, if you're seeing that, you can see a lot more by the time he'll get in the NBA. So. So I so I I think dump off passes are kind of like when you see baseline like aptitude as a playmaker mm-hmm. it's as I think dump off passes like it's it's the easiest pass to throw like I was watching DJ Stewart yeah. and like DJ isn't a great passer right now but he's a really good dump off passer like yeah. pick and roll it's just like the primary look that you don't have to read anything it's like okay I'm dribbling I draw my man the guy's right open under the basket mm-hmm. that's easy and so like yeah. I think seeing that, and I, I, I don't even think I've watched a full Patrick School game. Actually, I watched like one and a half quarters of the Patrick School Montverde game because I was writing about Moses Moody, and I yeah. was like, I'm not watching this game right now. Like, I'm not in the mood to watch a 50 piece. Uh, so I, I didn't it's even finish. It's not good basketball. No, That's yeah, I, I was like, look, I've had a long day. It was like my third game, third or fourth game of the day. I'm like, I am, I can't do this right now. So I put the computer down and one played xbox but yeah <laughs> i have not watched any patrick school games i like so that sample to me is it's limited to like the rent of couple like i think three rens games that i've seen mm. so the passing there wasn't great but like also the eybl is hard and like dudes yeah. don't always look good and that's okay like the best guys don't always look good i love caleb mm. love i watched a couple of brad Beal elite games and he struggled and that's fine mm. it's the best of the best in an extremely competitive setting yeah like go make mistakes and go go get feelers against the best of the best so i'm really interested to see what the patrick school sample looks like but i'm in on jonathan kamega at number two right now yeah. i have Jalen green at number three who do you have at three okay i just want to give one more point about the passing i think mm, uh, just i think it's just more than a dump off pass i think he's shown some passing manipulation as well mm-hmm. like when the dump off wasn't available he would pretend to look at the dump off and he'll look like literally the opposite direction. And I'm like, oh, this we can we can work okay. with something. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I like I see like what he's trying to do. Like I see the attempts. But the Patrick School, those games are like pretty weird. Like they had him um they had him play the five. Oh like God. it was like that'll play the five sometimes. Him, he has to catch it in like the zone and like make reads like that. And I'm just like, oh, like what are you, what are we doing here? Like <laughs> this is not this is like I think um the Patrick School is like the worst type of high school basketball I watched from like a a top prospect. Yeah. Yeah, It was not fun at all. It was, it was a grind to get get through. And I watched like, like 10 Jalen green games. I think those were even more fun, like easy to get through. So I think I, the prolific prep grind session games are brutal to me. Um, But no, they're, they're better than the Patrick school. In my opinion. Now I'm extremely excited to watch Patrick school games. So you got me really hyped up. Um, So, um, do you want to talk about my number three? I think I've, I've, BJ, I'm pretty sure I have BJ. Okay. And number three. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give, can I give some BJ skepticism a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I'm, BJ. I'm a little, skept, I'm a little skeptic, so skeptical. I, too, I so I love BJ. I think he, I love this idea of like a two-way off guard who can really create for himself because of the handle. Like his space creation and handle and combos are nasty. Like, yeah. and I actually, like people have, like oh he's so skinny how's he gonna finish i've i really don't have any issues about him finishing honestly like he's pretty explosive and he has great body control like he's super slithery like he'll like he's really good at the move where like you see the help the like defender slide in for like a charge you come off two feet 
gather yourself and then like move to the side and extend out and like just little things like that. He's super evasive around help. Um, I trust him as a three level scorer. The stuff that I'm a little bit more concerned, I just don't know how good of a shooter he is. And if he's not that good of a shooter, because the mechanics look great. And like, I genuinely didn't know this until people were like, look at his numbers. And apparently he's like a low thirties, high twenties, three point shooter. Yeah. And like if he isn't, gonna space the floor reliably then like the whole appeal of him kind of like takes it yeah 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 like the the space creation everything just the scoring is the reason why you have him so high right Mm -hmm. so um so my bad um but yeah i actually have um i'm thinking about i actually have jalen johnson number three but So, but I'm going to just say BJ in just this case of ranking these three uh, prospects. But yeah, um, the reason I actually do kind of have some skepticism about the finishing too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he'll figure it out, but, and he plays bigger than he is, which could, but I'm going to have some skepticism to that. Maybe it sounds dumb, but I'm just thinking when you play bigger than you are and you're that like skinny, it's gonna it's gonna turn out bad for you. Like you're gonna it's gonna you're gonna have some ugly moments too. And I don't think like he's like a super like uh elite like foul draw or anything. So I think um I like watching Jason Tatum a lot, right? And then sometimes he plays like uh bigger than he is, like he'll try to draw contact and it just doesn't really work out. Like he'll try to bully and he just doesn't have that strength. It just doesn't work out, it just turns ugly. And I think that's gonna happen at the next level a little bit. But the shooting I kind of buy. I just don't buy like 40%, which is going to be like a problem. I know in EYBL, he shot like 29%. Yeah. So that was, that was like bad. But I think he improved a lot, like his shooting a lot. And he takes deep threes too. So I don't, I don't really like mind the percentages yeah. as long as you – if you're taking shots like that, it's different from someone else's percentages. Like, you know, like he's taking like almost four-pointers. So I kind of buy the shot. So And just the decision-making, I don't really like it that much, like the passing and stuff like that. And the shot selection a little bit off too, but everyone's shot selection is a little, you know, iffy in high school. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's, a, I think he's a fine, like capable passer, like nothing like crazy. Oh my God, this is like mm-hmm. going to be the entry of my offense. I think when he draws help, he can make a good decision. And I trust yeah. him there. I really like the defense, like him as a team yeah, defender, yeah. like he's super lengthy. He's super smart. Like he's active and I really like him there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the the frame thing worries me. And the finishing is interesting because I think it's going to go to like, it's going to be interesting to see what type of finishes he succeeds with and what type yeah. of finishes he doesn't succeed with. Like mm-hmm. that frame is going to be bad if he tries to go straight up into help and like, yeah. like you said, bully them. Um, I trust the finishing because I think he's really good at understanding what he's good at. Like he has long arms and he's super creative and like he'll go with these up and unders, these just like extension finishes. And yeah. they are diff- the, the thing, problem is they're difficult finishes. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you wonder, does that eventually catch up to him? Would, it, would he regress back to some, like, sort of mean that's lower? And is the size eventually going to catch up to him? What I don't – where the frame worries me is him, like, hand as a ball handler. Like, him just getting, like, not bullied, but, like, pushed around as a ball handler. And, like, mm-hmm. that happened in the Paul the Six game a little bit. Like, he got roughed up, and they gave him – like, he had a tough time operating on the ball. And so his handle and his space creation are great but I worry about him a little bit there from a frame standpoint. Yeah. It has to be like really, really great for him to like consistently get back. Like ha- same thing happened with LaMelo too. You know, there's, there was some games where he was getting bullied. Um, 
but I think I think he's just gonna improve like skill wise. Like just someone who's that good at like doing James Harden level step backs. Yeah. Like he's gonna he's gonna get like better. Like you know he's gonna get like more shiftier stuff like that. So that's why um, I don't worry about that much. The only thing I want to see more, like you were alluding to, um, I didn't watch a crazy amount of BJ Boston because I didn't make a video about him. Mm-hmm. But um, I watched like four games, I think. So, but I just want to see more of those, like the the layup package. I just want to see more how he evades his fans. But you said he could, so I'm gonna watch out for that. So yeah, if he I, mean, do I that, then it, I have he, him like clear. He just had a couple like eye popping finishes in like one in like a bunch of the UIBL games I watched, which was nice to see. Um, one, one last point, like it's normal for guys to have lower shooting percentages in EYBL, like, especially yeah. if you're taking tough shots, which he did take. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with Caleb Love, who I, who I really, really like. Mm-hmm. There's just with, with the way that their like game is predicated around predicated around the jump shot. There just comes a point where it's like, okay, are you going to hit these shots to the point where you're effective or not? And that's just going to be like what that number is for bj i don't know like what that number is for caleb i don't know it's to be determined but like i do think the space creation is incredible for both of those guys too like caleb is the same thing but like Mm. at some point you have to make the shots like at a high clip yeah and that's just going to be something to monitor with going forward um do you so you mentioned that there are guys outside that three outside the three that we had planned to talk about that you think could make a push into the into the number two spot, which is completely up for grabs. I have a couple guys that I want to mention, but I want to let give you the floor because you have one that is a big time contender in my opinion. Yeah, so I have Jalen Johnson. The so I, you know, the, I just hate how Jalen Johnson, you know, he didn't get to play for uh, IMG, but I just hate how there's like no games of him really online. Like it just sucks. Like um, oh, I, I, I like haven't. I've seen two games. That's it, and yeah. I can't find anything else. So I had to like buy a, a subscription for I think NFHS because his high school games are on there. So oh, um, what? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's cool. Like um, someone made a video about him. I think I'll, I'll link you it. But yeah, oh, someone wow. made a video about him, like a breakdown. And I saw like he had like I think his school school's called Nicholas. Yeah, Nicholas in, in yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh wow, like there's like real footage of him. So the thing is, um, everyone like is like, how big is the shooting? I think um, he took jump shots, you know. It's not like people are comparing him to Ben Simmons because he can't shoot. But I was just like, he took pull-ups, like, in, in EYBL, too. The, like, the shot mechanics, you know, that's, like, a little bit off. But it's not that bad, to be honest. And if, if I see him taking those, I'm not, um, I'm not worried about him ever becoming, like, a Ben Simmons. Like, I think he'll be, like, 30%, but it's not that bad. But just the passing, like, at the end of the day, if he, if you're six nine and you can bring up the ball and you could pass that good, like the EYBL passes that he was like trying to make and just making, like it was just amazing to me. Like he was just trying shit that he knew. Like there was like okay, there's like a one percent chance that this pass is gonna go through, but I'm gonna just do it because I see it. And even if that ends up a turnover, I'm just like like okay, there's a certain uh, point where you just get bored and you just want to try shit. That's I feel mm-hmm. like high school players do that. Like they just want to try like cool stuff. So. And combined with the fact that, okay, he's not like the, he doesn't have the craziest first step. At the end of your six, nine, like, I think he's gonna, he's allowed to have some post usage in, um, in high school, he had some post usage and he was like amazing passing out of the post. Mm-hmm. So I like that if he's not like, if he doesn't become the primary ball handler and also like the defensive upside too, like yeah. he, 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 the effort wasn't always there. 
but the effort's not there with a lot of guys. But I like, but when he was really like sitting down and being like a rim protector, I can be, I think he can be a, a good secondary rim protector as well. So just a two way um, guy who could be a primary ball handler. And if he isn't, he could be like a secondary creator out of the post and still be a, a, a very effective slasher. And with the jump shot is hopefully will be coming along a guy he gotta be there he gotta be at least top five i don't know why he's not top five and a lot of other people so so the main thing with jalen johnson that like i've and this is just my approach to it like i'm just not gonna mess around with the dude who's six nine and moves like that and yeah, handles the ball like that like it, it's honestly i think we over complicate this shit sometimes and like yeah. with jalen johnson like it's kind of the, at least for right now for right now i'm not saying nine months from now it's going to be the same thing i'm sure nine months from now i'll be writing a thousand words on him like I, it's not carried away here but for now it's that simple honestly mm. the shooting those mechanics i think are like pretty disgusting in my opinion yeah. like the eybl like i was like wow that's bad like it's a full hitch it's like a release it's like a rise and load the, the hands are bad but i'd rather him take them with ugly ass form than just shy away and be nothing because the thing that I'm looking for for Jalen Johnson is like you got to shoot because you can't the problem Ben Simmons had it's just in half court offense when he doesn't have the ball he can't really do much I mean and Mm. except be a short roll passer which I would like to see him be used that more but now we're talking Philly which we yeah that's not good yeah so um I'm not gonna go down there but with Jalen Johnson, it's it's the same concept. Like, if you're not going to be on the ball, you have to be able to impact the game. And mm. I'm sure, like, he'll be a good cutter because, like, smart guys like that who don't want to shoot and want to get layups <laughs> tend to yeah. be good cutters. Mm. Um, so I think that's, like, a spot where I think he'll be good at. But at the end of the day, you got to shoot. Now, if he yeah. does – like, he has the most – where it's like, okay, it's, he needs to fix, or not even fix, he needs to get passable at one thing, and then he's a clear-cut number two. Like, not, maybe not clear-cut, but, like, that's a number two draft pick. Like, yeah. with BJ, Green, and Kaminga, this class is awesome because there's so many guys that could be there, but none of them are like, okay, yeah, that's a blue-chip, can't-miss yeah. number two guy, you know? So, Jalen Johnson swings. is, like, the easiest path to that, in my opinion. So, I think definitely he gets a look there. Um, one name I want to throw out, someone I just wrote about, Keon Johnson. Um, I know Ross Homan has him too, which yeah. is a little bold for me right now, but because like he can't really dribble like at all. But if you're just going to drive by your defenders with straight line speed and strength every time, then does the handling really matter? That kind of yeah. thing. Like incredible shooting pr- improvement over the past five or like seven months from the summer to his high school season only played like four games before he got hurt. So there's not that much film on him, but I was able to get like four games from my article and just like, he's an athletic freak. Like, I don't know if you've seen him, but just like in terms of vertical pop, like he had this block and like his head was at the, like fully at the rim off two feet, mm. literally just like, and then I watched another, that. I watched, yeah. yeah. He had another running. I mean, he had a block, he volleyball spiked and he did not running. Sorry. It was two feet jump up in the air, just straight explosion. And when you just get a guy like that and the best thing about him is like his wiring, like everything was a layup at the rim like yeah. he wasn't settling for anything okay i'm gonna get to my spot for a one two like a mid-range pull up here i'll, I'll walk into a three, three if they're gonna give me that but for the most part like it was subpar competition but like he was gonna get an easy 30 that night and like yeah. i love that so i don't know if i mean two might be bold for him but i just think he's someone to consider there 
Yeah, I didn't. I only watched like one game, so you know I'm not gonna add a lot. But I agree with all the athleticism stuff, and the I did see the two hand block. Two hand blocks. I just want to say that's like top two favorite plays of like to see. Like it's it might be amazing. one. It's one of the most disrespectful things ever, it's bro. Like crazy. It's like it. The only thing that's better is like a like a snatch block. Like that's it. Like two hand blocks are just amazing. But yeah, um, I need to watch more Keon Johnson. But yeah, like. I mean, Ross Holman, you, you, a lot of people like him. So, you know, I'm not going to go argue against that. I'm going to take you guys' word for it that he, sh- he could be a contender for a top five pick. So, yeah, bro, Ross, Ross is a smart dude. I'm, I, I, like, I, I'm, I like his word with most of the high school stuff. Mm-hmm. So, we were talking about 2020, and you said you wanted to talk to me about an interesting debate. Uh, we we're going Tyrese Maxey versus Devin Vassell. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know where you stand on this before I kind of go ahead. Okay, so there, I, I switched them, like, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, like, a board of just top 30, and I switched them back and forth because just, just not even just, like, sometimes it'll be, like, player versus player. Sometimes it'll just be, like, player role versus player role. And I think we, we've talked about it in DMs, but we could talk about it now. It's basically saying which is more valuable to a team, like a 3 and mm-hmm. D wing, a real 3 and D wing, not someone that's a fake one, like we've seen, you know, a lot of them, but um, versus, like, an off-ball guard that's overqualified. Like, the average off-ball guard, I think a 3 and D wing is clearly better than that. But there are some guys that are in, stuck between the primary and the secondary, right? Uh, like a CJ or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So it's like they're just overqualified off-ball guards. And I think Maxi fits into that. So I, And, like, um, like, the Fred Van Vliet role as well. Love my guy, mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet. So um, I just want to have the arguments. Like, w- what is more valuable? And you said... Um, the off-ball guard is more valuable because, you know, they can secondary create. And if they could play defense, it would be amazing too. And I would agree with that. I just – Maxi's like – I buy Maxi shooting. But, like, he's going to have to shoot, like, 30 – like, to be honest, like, he's going to have to be, like, a real floor space, like, 38% on, like, high volume attempts. And, like, the the only thing I'm worried about with Maxi shooting is the the – what's it called? Um – how do I say it? When you shoot like closer to your chest, how do yep. I say that? Yep. Like, how, like I mean, what's, you can that, just what's the word for it? it? I don't even know what for. I just say shoots close to his chest. Like that's yeah. a, he's a low release point. I mean, it may yeah, lower release point. That's right, what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, he has a lower release point. And I'm just like, okay, like that works for like pull up. Sometimes you gotta create a lot of space to get that off too, because mm-hmm. like I don't think people understand that. Like people, like I think. So, the there's an element that people don't understand like you have to play real basketball to understand how valuable these things are and i'm not saying like oh if you don't play basketball you can't talk about these things but there's some things you just i'm not i'm sorry you're just not going to understand like oh no i, I, least, I just want to yeah. interject because like literally this is crazy because i was just having this argument with my boys last night we saw th- it was like the thing on the internet and it was like you play 50 games in the nba and you score if you score like 30 points the entire seat or 50 points the entire season you get you get X amount of money, but if you don't, you go to jail. Like, are you taking this? And my boys are like, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we all played on the high school basketball team. None of us, we have mm-hmm. one one of our friends going D two. None of uh, no one mm-hmm. else is playing college ball. And like, yeah, I'm taking that. I'm like, are you guys crazy? You're not <laughs> getting anything off. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm five nine. Anything. Like, you're not like in the like mm-hmm. no no like we can get open kickouts. So I was like, you're not getting anything <laughs> off. Like, you don't understand. Nothing is get. You're not getting anything off. So back to what like real NBA prospects. I actually been thinking about this since we talked about it. And I think mm-hmm. I would probably walk it back because it was a pretty coincidence. It was actually a coincidence. Um, I don't, you know, 
Todd at, it's at crumple jumper. He writes for nylon calculus. Uh, no, I, I see him mention him, but yeah, nah, I don't know. So he him. real, real smart dude. And he just wrote a piece was like, what are like the oversaturated and oh, like oh, underappreciated? I didn't know it was him. I read that. Yeah, piece too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was him. And he's like, there's really only 21 three and D wings that like fit whatever benchmarks. It was like using the grades from b-ball index and like some ben taylor three-point percentage metric which i'm buying both of those Mm -hmm. and i was saying i'm like damn a real three and d wing that's like actually good at both that's probably one of the more valuable rotation pieces that you could have now my thing is i think off ball guards catch a lot of shit and i think a lot of them are underappreciated because like it's like oh if you're not gonna be a primary you better play defense and i get that i agree like offensive-minded secondary guards there's not really a market for that. However, if you're going to be a good defender and then you can also like space the floor and create, like that's really valuable to a team. Mm -hmm. My thing with Maxi and why I'm higher on Vassell is I don't know how overqualified Maxi is as a secondary. Like Mm -hmm. I, I I think he's more of a straight secondary than others do. So like, I don't think he's that overqualified. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The shooting has to be like, real good and then even the passing has to improve too for him to be that overqualified i don't like making comps but i liked what something i've been experimenting with is a career pass mm-hmm. right so like i, I like them to, to follow the fed van vliet career path because i feel like they have the same skills they can uh but fed van vliet just just came out in college as a way better shooter that's mm-hmm. the thing he has to be that uh, that good of a shooter because if your primary has to kick out to you you're going to get the big shots. Too. You're going to get the big shots. Like, I don't think people understand. They're going to double the primary. You're going to get the big shots if they kick out to you. So you're going to have to hit. You're going to have to um, be a good slash. I think the slashing I buy, like, with Maxi, But just uh, he has to have enough space creation to get that low release point off. Yep. And um, he has to also get better as a passer, too. But so I like Maxi though. So that's why I have a sell over him. No, so I like Maxi, but I don't trust that he – I'm, I guess I'm less concerned about the low release point and low arc. I don't like it. And I think it's certainly a reason why the percentages are low. And I think mm. it makes me more skeptic, like, uh, skeptic, skeptical going forward, projecting him as a shooter. Um, in terms of like, he's super comfortable as a pull-up guy. I, I've never thought of him as like the space creation type, like create your own shot in ISO because he doesn't have that handle. Like he just, th- that handle is not there. Mm. Um, for him, it's like kind of just like one or two dribble pull-up threes. Like defense goes under, you can punch him. I buy him there. The thing with Maxi that I can't quite get over, and I've said this multiple times on multiple podcasts, his like offensive skill set, like on ball versus off ball, they don't like – it's not cohesive. Like ideally you want to give him the ball because he's a, he's way more – he's a much better shooter off the bounce. He's, super, he's much more comfortable, and the mecha- it's mechanically better, and he's a really good slasher. So ideally, you would want to give him the ball as much as possible because he's a good on-ball scorer. He's a good pull-up shooter, and he's a good finisher. Getting to, he can get to the rim, and he can finish. But I'm really low on the passing, personally. Like I don't think he's a very good passer. Um, I don't think we saw any of it at Kentucky, and I think I'm all for pre-college samples. Like If you follow me, you know that. But I think like his like playmaking is getting a little bit overblown there. I don't think it was like so noteworthy that I'm just going to give this Kentucky season pass because I don't think he was very good as a playmaker. So with Maxi, like I have him around like ten. I think it's like ten or eleven. Um, Vassell is at eight for me. Um, I love Vassell. I think he's gonna have a long career and I think he's gonna be a really good piece. So I'm going Vassell for this argument. Yeah. So I've like Maxi. I think like seven, and then Vassell like six. 
Mm-hmm. I don't remember like my exact board, so don't be asking me like my like top five. But, <laughs> yeah, but I have them a little bit higher. But I'm just saying, yeah. But with Vassal, it's just um, I think it's a easy like I just think um his role just be like three and D guys. If you have the skill for it, it's not that hard. You know what I mean? And just the pull up shooting he's also shown, it's just really impressive. Like people are kind of um questioning like decision making and a little bit of the shot selection. But I'm just like, man, like. If you're a three and D guy, I've seen it with a lot, like uh, with a lot of players like these. If you're a three and D guy, you can shoot and play defense. You're gonna get more reps as like a creator. And if he has that pull up and they seeing that, then you're just gonna give him automatically more reps. So I don't. So people like are like, um, I don't know how much uh, chance he has to like improve like as his skills try to be more than a three and D guy. But if you do these roles well, you excel in your role, then you get more touches. Like you it automatically gets that you get the, that's your reward. So that's why I think um uh what's it called like the pull up shooting development could happen. Like he's gonna get real reps of that. So mm-hmm. especially yeah, those with bad team. And so people and like people always say three and D guys like <clears throat> you have to do more than just that, but like you don't really like the yeah, problem with closeouts. That's the it. problem. The problem with like people saying that is like because they're thinking about guys who actually aren't good at both of those things, and then mm-hmm. you need to do more things because being mediocre at three and D or being like good at one and average at the other, like that's not enough. But yeah. Vassell is like genuinely already really good at both. And mm-hmm. I do think he has untapped potential as a shot maker. I think yeah. it would be like a really high end outcome if like teams were like running pick and rolls for him as like, even in secondary as like a side creator. But like in terms of him, he's going to draw closeouts because he's a really good three point catch and shoot three point shooter with a high release point and uh, like he, I, I'm blanking on like what the sample size is, but he's shooting like I think in the low 40s for in two, yeah. for two years, and the sh- improvement that like you don't see an imp- like he was I think zeroth percentile as a pull up shooter as a freshman mm-hmm. on like a very small sample size of attempts, and then he was like in the in the 50s as a sophomore, and like you don't see that jump in one year as a pull up shooter, like yeah. maybe as a catch and shoot, but that pull up stuff is so hard to like get down the footwork the rhythm the balance everything there's so many difficult things about it so the fact that he had the green light to do that and then he excelled as a tough shot maker like literally so every one of his pull-ups is basically contested like and, and it doesn't matter and like i genuinely think that like if you're one of those people that are like, oh, you need to do more as 3D wing, like Devin Vassell being a tough shot maker off the bounce is right in front of you. Yeah. And the pull-up shooting, like, you know, I said the improvement, just a testament to his work ethic too, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you have that big, like that huge improvement combined with the, the on-ball reps, I think that he will be getting. Like if he goes to a bad team, he's going to get it if he just plays as hard. Because like, what are they playing for? They're going to play for player development to tank for a pick at one point, right? Because they're a bad team. So he's going to get some on-ball reps. Like, I really think that will happen. And if he just keeps, like, if you just buy the work ethic that you should, obviously. Because people don't understand how hard pull-up shooting is. Like, it's oh, just one of the things. You have to play 100%. basketball. You have to play basketball to 100%. know how hard it is. So, um, yeah, I just, I just buy that. And I just think he, he, could, he could be more than a 3 and D guy, in my opinion. Yeah, no. So. The pl- I mean, the playing basketball, th- like, it's, it's funny to me because, like, I mean, I've been, I've been playing basketball my entire life. And literally, yeah. like, I haven't played since i mean we had our last game in early march and i haven't played pickup because of covid and i played for the first time a couple of nights ago and i'm like yeah. damn it's crazy like all the stuff that i'm constantly thinking about like now i'm doing it on the court you know oh, and like, yeah and the stuff the thing like i don't buy the people that it's like 
if you haven't played basketball at a high level, you don't know the game. Like that's just, no, I don't like, buy that it, that, it's yeah. just stupid because we see plenty of X players going to be decision makers and analysts. They have no idea what they're talking about. Like mm. it's not my fault. My parents didn't give me good genes and I'm five, nine. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. not playing division one basketball as a five, nine kid. Um, mm. But I do think there's something to be said by like playing high school basketball or like basketball at like a low level just so like you understand just general nuances of the game yeah. like mm-hmm. you under like becoming a good pull-up shooter and like pull-up shooting in general is super super hard like yeah. just knowing that and like understanding how impressive that Vassell jump is like that stuff matters to me and like mm-hmm. knowing that I, I think it's kind of important to be honest yeah that's what yeah i just i just factored that in just mm-hmm. when i heard that i didn't watch Vassell last year. i didn't know about him to be honest. oh I, yeah i didn't yeah. i barely watched him last year yeah so i but there's people that I knew and i think like a lot of people that are really deep in the draft they understand the pull-up shooting thing but yeah i agree just you have to like play high school basketball and um i didn't play au i, di- I couldn't afford au i would have played au if i could afford it but i did work out with them and stuff like that. And I just understand like a lot of things, especially I just want to uh, talk about one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the defensive effort thing, I've seen some people, uh, especially one person I won't name, he talks about effort a lot. Like he's like, if you don't have a high motor, you, you, I just don't buy you as a player. And I'm just like, man, you don't understand how hard it is. Like I'm gonna use Grant Riller, for example. What do you average, like 25, right? I mean. Briller is interesting, and I, I we can actually talk about Briller like through yeah. the sense because like people don't understand, and this is super funny. So like I was a sophomore, and I didn't know if I was gonna be on varsity or JV, and so they said, okay, whatever you, uh, we're gonna have you go on JV this year. Like you're not about, you're not gonna get a ton of clock, whatever. Besides point. So I would go mm-hmm. on JV, and like defense has always been a big thing for me. Like I always like point of attack defense like being as good of a team defender as you can as a small point guard like sliding in for charges like i i play basketball as the way you would expect like pass first smart player like scared to shoot whatever mm-hmm. um and so i that was the first time i like actually like had the keys to a team and i did not do shit on defense like yeah, nothing like, on defense and it's like bare minimum because like people don't understand and like it's so it sounds so simple that like I'm comparing my junior varsity 10th grade year to like mm. applying it to prospects but like it like that matters and that's yeah. real like give it you don't understand how hard it is to give it your all and literally be the engine of an offense have 30 plus usage for an entire game yes you're going to take possessions off on defense you mm. are you just are that's like the motor thing for me it it like I do think you get like those little things get blown out of proportion too yeah, much right, to me right. in both directions. Like buying Isaiah Stewart because he works hard, like is only going to get you so far. You know, um, I was on a podcast. I was on PD's podcast, right? And we talked about this and we're kind of like making, you know, it was like, we're kind of making fun of people like that. And he said like the people that have like high effort or like believe in that, well, I was kind of ass. That's what he said, but <laughs> they're kind of, they're kind of bad. So they, like when you're, when you're bad, I'm sorry, like, when you're just bad, like you realize everyone's like better around you, you have to do those extra things, yeah. right? So that's why they believe that. But like when you have like the keys to office, I had the keys one game. I remember I was always like a role player. I'm six foot, like nothing. So I'm just like an off guard that, you know, just shoots whatever. But I had the keys because everyone was injured. So I had the keys one game. And yo, I was like so tired, like on defense. I just, yeah. you just, you, you just learn how to do the bare minimum thing. Like not enough to get in trouble by the coach, but yeah, just people don't understand. So I factored that in with Riller. Now, Riller, like he like he's bad, bad, but 
I just think he's never going to have that usage in the NBA again, unless he's like an um, off, uh, um, bomb, like a uh, microwave off the bench. On the bench, yeah. Yeah, right? But I don't think, um, I don't think he wants to be that. I think he wants to be like a legit starter. So mm-hmm. if, he, if he wants to do that, and if he goes, he's going to go to a good team if he falls down to the 20s. He's going to go to a good team. Yeah. So how is he going to get on the court? You have to play defense. And I think he has the tools. I don't think he's Trey Young. I think he's, he's big. He can slide well. He's explosive, right? The, the possessions I've seen, like he played good defense at times, like when he really wanted to or when the guy came on to him. He's strong. So I think I could buy the defense a little bit so it could be like a neutral, a neutral negative or like a slight negative. But yeah, I just want to use him as an example. Like people just don't understand. It's not 2K. You can't just drop 30 and lock down the other guy no. like at the same time. So, so with, I actually posed the question because when, when I was watching Reeler, he's bad for the most part. Yeah. And has been a bad defender his entire career. However, he's a few plays where it's like, okay, he sees that. And like he's shooting that gap and he's getting a luck, like a layup on the other end. Like he has a bunch of plays like that where it's like, okay, we actually have something to work with. He's mm-hmm. super strong. So like he's not, like you said, he's like Trey, he's not going to die on screens yeah. unless he like just doesn't care, which is mm-hmm. super possible. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not ideal to bet on a guy with pretty bad effort consistently. However, it's just like, what do you, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the guy with eh effort who actually sees things? Or would you rather have the guy who has like, good effort but is just an extremely slow processor and like doesn't see anything and like yeah it's kind of like the like Aaron Neesmith is like the guy I think about for the latter like I'm not high on his team defense at all because like he is an extremely slow processor and like Mm -hmm. really slow to react to things like so while he has a good frame and he has good effort like I just don't think it's going to come together yeah but yeah, yeah that's a super interesting point about like oh I think effort like does get overvalued yeah, and just when we just have a smaller role, like I would, if it really was like the top ten pick, and he gets like the keys, he's just starting. I, I wouldn't buy the defense, but he's mm-hmm. gonna come off the bench. He's gonna have to find a way to get on the floor, and they're gonna the coach is gonna be paying attention. Like he's gonna have to pick up full court, like maybe, mm-hmm. like you know, like some coaches will have him do that, and he's just gonna have to stay engaged if he wants to get minutes. And I think he he knows that he knows that. So yeah, so that's that's why I kind of buy the defense, like. If if he really wants to, especially if it goes to some like team like the Raptors or something like that, so or like no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't fully disagree, hundred yeah. percent. So when we were talking about what we wanted to discuss in this pod, you talk, you wanted to talk to me about heliocentric basketball, yeah. and it's a topic that like I talk about a lot. I'm super interested in, and I don't. I don't know where it is going forward. Like it's taken a huge jump. I like did a little chart on Twitter. I posted on Twitter like a month ago, yeah. or maybe like two months ago at this point. But basically like in 2014 or 2013, there was only five players with 30 usage or more. And now there's like 16, if you're including Zion and Kyrie. So like mm. with the guys that over a thousand minutes played, there's 14 with 30 mm. usage. You look at the list and there's just guys that you're like, they probably shouldn't be there. You know, yeah. like they, they probably shouldn't be handling that much usage. So, and we, I was talking about this and I think Mitch Libanoff said it, I think is, or maybe it was Zach. I don't know. I can't remember, but they were like, is this a chicken in the egg kind of thing? Like, is it going up because everyone's doing it and it's just going up or is it going up because people can actually shoulder that and it's like beneficial. And I don't know. I think you really need, I think where I'm high on heliocentric offenses is like taking your team from like nothing to something like Trey Young and like Luca. I mean, obviously now they have other guys, but like 
for the most part, it's like, okay, this is our guy. Like we got our guy. Now let's build around him. But eventually, and the Atlanta Hawks are approaching the stage right now. You need a sec, in my opinion, you need like a secondary star or a secondary creator to like really, really win. So Hmm. I'm really interested to hear what you want to talk about this because like my opinion has changed. Like it changes all the time in regards to this, like watching different teams, watching different players, watching different offenses. Like Dallas has this model and they were the best offense in the league. So like there is credence to it, but like, I don't know. It's really complicated and there's a lot of deep things into it and you have a lot to say. So I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah. So for the people that don't know what we're talking about. In oh, I can't. Yeah. It's basically you, like, yeah, you yeah. do that. I completely botched that, but so, go ahead. It's like, yeah, it's the sun, the moon, and the stars. So the sun is the guy that's the primary. He's going to make all decisions. We're going to use Luca, for example. And then the moon is the secondary guy. That's Porzingis. And then the stars is like Jalen Brunson, DeLon Wright, Seth Curry, all those guys. Basically guys that are compliment, you know, shooters, um, hopefully going to play defense. Just compliment your star. Just assist them, right? Not do too much. And then Luca has to make all the decisions and Porzingis when, uh, when I guess they get staggered or something like that, right? So the thing is, there's so many people that do that. And you made a great point saying that's a great starting point for a rebuild. Like you got to get that primary creator and then everything else will figure itself out. Even if you can't get those complimentary guys, it's not hard signings if you really do the free agency right, right? Like, like, the, like Dallas did, did the yep. free agency right. 100%. So um, the thing I'm worried about is, uh, this is another thing. I, I hate to harp this point because I don't want to be those like, oh, you got to know basketball to do this. But... There's a mental uh, part of the game that people underrate and just like theoretically it makes sense. Luca making 90, like 90, uh, what's it called reads and stuff like that for a whole game. It makes sense, but mentally he's going to tire out. Like mm-hmm. it's making those decisions is hard, man. Like he's not going to make the right decision. That's why he's going to have a lot of turnovers. And then the clutch, we've seen that. I know he closed out yesterday. He closed it out well, but there's games where he's kind of looking if he, He's kind of not making the right decisions as he would do in the second quarter or the first quarter. It's because he's mentally tired of making all the decisions. And that's why I'm, and this is Luca we're talking about, right? Like this is Luca, right? Probably in my opinion, hmm, I don't know if I want to say this right now has an argument. We'll say has an, has an argument to be the best heliocentric engine in the league right now. Yeah. We'll say that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't want Brown fans coming in my mentions, but yeah, we'll just say he has an argument. So that's what I'm saying. It's like even Luca is going through this. And yep. I know he's young, but he's good, right? Like there's not a lot of players that are going to get as good as Luca in the second season. But that's what I'm saying. It's like just the gap, the, the list of how many people could do it. It's like literally like you just tweeted today. It's like five, maybe. Yep. We'll see if like Trey Young's still, like I, I believe Trey Young, but not everyone does. It's just like f- four or five. It's not, it shouldn't be 16. Like, you know. So when you get to that level, you need that. That's what I'm saying. Um, off-ball guards are important too because you need that, right? That's why I like Fred Mavli a lot. It's like you have a primary creator. Like you have Devin Booker or something like that. I love Devin Booker. I don't want him making like every single decision, right? I want him to play off the ball a little bit. Yeah, so that's so- why you have someone to take 45 of those or like at least 30 of those possessions away. Like let me lessen the burden for you. You know what I mean? That's why I just think the mental part of it, people just – don't understand. I feel like that's why some plays in the clutch fold. I think like Giannis too, right? I think that's, that happens to him too. I think he, he overthinks during the clutch. It doesn't make always the right decisions. So I think that's the problem with heliocentrism. I think um, the way you 
you uh, you build your team around that. I think you need someone a bit more qualified as your second option to run offense. And yep. Porzingis is not that guy yet. Like he's nope. not gonna. Yeah. So that's that's the only thing I'm worried about. But when you have someone as, like like LeBron James, you're not really worried about that. It happens to LeBron too, but he's a genius. Luca's a genius. Steph Curry's just yeah, he's a genius too. And like that's what I want to say. Steph Curry, he has Draymond as the facilitator. He had Iguodala as a facilitator. He doesn't have to make every single decision too. You need multiple playmakers. They don't need to run the offense all the time, but you need multiple people to make decisions for it to work. So that's what I think. Um, that's what I think people no one talks about, just the mental part of it. No, I completely agree with you wholehearted. Um, so I have the list of guys above 30 usage right here. Mm. I'm going to rattle them off. And then I want to dive into like, just real, real quick, like which category I think guys fall into. So with 30 usage sorted, sorted by like highest to lowest, you have Giannis, Luca, Harden, Trey, Beal, Russ, Kawhi, Embiid, Kyrie, Zach Levine, Derek Rose, D'Angelo Russell, LeBron James, Donovan Mitchell, Zion, and Dame. Yeah. Like, so, why does I Zach just, Levine have that high of a usage? Like, so, like, I mean, a bunch of these guys, like, like Beal and D Rose, uh, like that's team context. Yeah, I get yeah. like they have nothing, no one else. So, like, I mm-hmm. guess we're just like, whatever. That's different. But like, there's no, in my opinion, guys that like probably don't belong here. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Zach Levine. And then like it just gets dicey. Like it, it just gets dicey with a guy like Kyrie. Like, is it really the best for your offense to, for Kyrie to shoulder that load? I don't no, know. I don't think so. No, I don't I am I'm saying no, no. I I, I don't, I, I don't so. disagree with you. And like mm-hmm. Dame is at 30, so he's right there. So I don't want to make such a big deal about it, but like I don't know, maybe that could be a little low. Like you see yeah, what I'm going with But this? he also like, has CJ. Like that's the yep. thing. He has a CJ. Yep. Like it's like Paul George. Just are you gonna give Paul George that usage? That's how I feel about Kyrie and Paul, like Paul George. I think they're like amazing one B, but I think they're strictly one B. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I agree. I agree. Hundred mm-hmm. so percent. That's that's how I feel like I think not every player could just it's just built like that. Sorry. So and yeah, even Zach Levine's with the team context, I don't want to talk like that much about him, but even if like you it just sucks because I feel like Anthony Edwards, which is a prospect uh, for people who don't know. Obviously, what am I talking about? Everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like he's going to be stuck in that too. Like, yep. he's go- like his number is going to look good if he goes on a t- – like, if he goes to Detroit, he takes all the shots. He's- his number is going to look good, like, in the few- first few years. But is it conducive to winning? Is it going to be like Zach Levine where the numbers look good? Oh, he's averaging four assists, but he's also averaging four turnovers. And you got to watch how many reads he's missing every single game. Mm-hmm. It's like – but the team might be a little bit too good for you to get that primary guy. And I think he, like, falls in between that. It's like he has to be, like, a lot better as a decision maker to be a primary. And I think he's just in that middle. Like, I think he's in that CJ spot. I think he'll be amazing, like, playing in the CJ role, so, in my opinion. And it's, it's only – and I'm going to say this because, like, the Anthony Edwards dilemma, like, the in-between – Mm-hmm. Like I don't think Anthony Edwards should be a primary. I used to. Yeah. I don't think he should be anymore. Yeah. I think the only primaries from this draft are Lamelo and Killian. Yeah. That's it for me. Um, with Anthony Edwards, like it's you. You can get yourself into a real problem if you get him. He does exactly what you did, and then you don't find the other guy to like yeah. clean everything up. And because you're gonna be pick, picking ten, you're gonna yep. be picking ten. That's every what, single that's year. Good, yeah. And I think that's like. 
I get heliocentrism and I am relatively here for it. Honestly, I like it. Like I, people that are like, like I'm maybe I'm in the minority, but like the Rockets and Mavericks are two of my favorite teams to watch in the entire league. Hands down. Um, mm. I get that. It's like ISO ball, whatever. I'm not why I like watching incredibly smart players make decisions every single time down the floor. I think that's super fun. Um, I do think like, it's just going to be interesting because Ben, I don't, have you read Ben Taylor's thinking basketball book? Yeah. yeah. So in the first, the first, like the opening thing, the first page, he talks about like when you, and he uses the highway as an example, when you use exert like one scoring path, one path to scoring every Mm -hmm. single time. And you overuse that there comes to a, it's like you reach a tipping point where it becomes less efficient. And like, Mm -hmm. it was the Wilt Chamberlain argument. Like, why didn't they just give Wilt the ball every single time? If he's averaging 1.2 points per possession for every single post up, why didn't they post him up every single time? And then it just comes like in basketball, you need diversity in within possessions on a possession to possession basis. Yeah. I'm interested to see where that quote unquote, like theory that's relatively proven true holds up with heliocentrism because you're essentially using the same path to get you shots almost every time down the floor. Yeah. So now I have a theory thinking of this, right? Um, I think for a heliocentric, if you have, if your number two should be, or yeah, your number two or number three has to be a high usage guard. That could be a high usage guard in other places. Okay. So this is what I'm thinking with Luke and second players, Porzingis, right? Mm -hmm. But they need that. They need, they need to either have a wing that could ball handle, like Will Barton will work great for them or something like that. Or like a Joe Ingles will work great. Someone that, um, or like a Fevon Lee or like a Kyle Lowry. So I'm just looking back at these championship teams and like the Raptors. I'll talk about the Raptors championship team, right? You have Kawhi as your primary. He's going to like, you know, take all the shots, make decisions. Then you have Siakam when Kawhi's tired or like when he was going through those injuries, you pass to him, he's going to score. And then you have Lowry making a lot of decisions too. So I think like Lowry's like essential to that, even though he might have not been the best, like second best player. Um, he was just essential to that. So I think the second guy has to be a guy that can ball handle to take off that pressure, like alleviate it. Because what in um, heliocentric players, their numbers look so good, like the on and off numbers, because the team like struggles without the player on the court. And yeah, so that's why I need that guard. So that's been, that's like been my LeBron. Like that's the LeBron argument. It's like, yeah. oh, look at LeBron's on off numbers. That's that's evidence towards his MVP candidates candidacy. And it's like, no, dude, like it's because the entire team is tailored around him. Yeah. So when you take him off the court, no one knows what to do. And like mm-hmm. that happens everywhere he's been. And that's not a knock on Braun at all. Yeah, that's just not. the facts. And that's like yeah. what it's just the reality of the situation. And like that's why Kyrie was so awesome for him, you know? Like mm-hmm. Anthony Davis is really, really saying. damn good. Yeah. But he needs a guard. Yeah. He, he just does. And that's like we're now we're kind of getting into like my whole like big man thing. Like I love Embiid and I think Embiid is like in a way more valuable than Simmons, but like if your big man is an incredible passer, then how far can he really take you kind of a thing. You yeah, know? I don't, like if, yeah. Can't be the best player on the championship to me. Like that that that's in my opinion. No, I, I don't disagree and I don't think it's crazy. I think that's just like the, the basketball world we live in right now. Um before we wrap this up, I want to talk bubble and Raptors because right. as a Knicks fan who's been struggling. Oh, actually, before we move on from one point, I had, I had one good point. This kind of tails in a little bit heliocentrism, a little bit bubble. So I'm going to start with this, actually, before we get to Raptors. Watching the Nuggets, they kind of like have 
the per and the, the guys might not be like good enough for them to really like make a championship run. But I like in theory, they have the perfect like offensive cohesion lineup, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like where you have your playmaker in Jokic. Okay, he's our main guy. You have that like off-fall guard who's overqualified, like we were talking about in Jamal Murray. And then you have like wings, like Will Barton, like Tory Craig, they can throw in. And then you have MPJ now as like this like third scorer who can create for himself yeah. off the bounce, gets offensive rebounds, cuts to the basket, just like has a scorer's knack. And he always yeah. has. Like he, he can create for himself. You can, you can ISO MPJ all day and he'll get a good shot or he'll get a, he'll get a shot that he can make. We'll say yeah. that. He get, mm-hmm. He'll get a shot that he can make. But then he has like this knack, like offensive rebounds, little like loose balls. He just finds the ball and like watching them on offense. I love it because like it's kind of like the perfect team building lineup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Jamal Murray takes that leap, like that's all they need. Just Jamal Murray to take that leap. And I actually like Jamal Murray a lot. You know, I like any Canadian player, like even Wiggins. <laughs> I swear, like even Wiggins. I like any Canadian player. So yeah, if Jamal Murray just has to take that leap, just become more of an assertive scorer and like more of a secondary playmaker and though though that's like the blueprint that's what people really have to follow instead of just one guy and then uh some complimentary guys no i yeah yeah i agree i I think i love the nuggets too love the nuggets and like whether the guys are good enough to make a championship run that's to be determined and who knows maybe they just it's bad timing with la teams being as good as they are right now but like i think you have to look at that and say look if I don't believe in heliocentric offenses to win a championship, which is completely valid and like maybe where I'm at, unless you have Giannis, which is just like a different story. Yeah. Um, then the Nuggets are like the offense and like everyone should look at them and take note because they absolutely killed this. And like yeah. shout out to the front office. They've been awesome. Yeah, I agree. Like literally if Jamal Murray takes that leap, they're still kind of young. So mm-hmm. like they're like mid twenties, right? Yeah. Yep. So like they just gotta take a few years. They're gonna get a lot of playoff experience. So that'll be I good. mean, look, MPJ is the third year guy. Jamal Murray's twenty three. I don't know off yeah. the top of my head how old Jokic is, but Jokic like, is like twenty five, twenty six, yeah. Like they have years, man. They're they're they have a bright future. Um yeah. so I wanna talk Raptors as a depressed Knicks fan who has not experienced much success. The Raptors basically went from like being the most trolled team that just like consistently choked to now one of the best, if not the best, like franchise in the NBA, just in terms of like winning on the margins, getting talent in the system, developing talent and winning on the basketball court. Like as someone who's been a part of that ride for all of it and been through the good, been through the bad, like what would you most attribute that growth to? Like just when you're observing as them from like an organizational standpoint, uh, two people specifically, Masai and Kyle Lowry. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like everyone knows how the Raptors fans love to overrate Kyle Lowry and stuff like that, and I know it's a lot of them do too. Um, and just but just his impact on the court and just his impact on teammates. It's just like you can like feel the leadership through the screen. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't want to let Lowry down. Like they want to play well for him. He's, he's not going to, um, like, chew you out or something like that. He's always just going to try to encourage you, wants you to play your best. Like, even in talking to the media, like, talking about OG, um, he was like, OG had a good game. And he was saying, like, oh, like, I always knew OG had that in him. He's going to be a long, good player for a long time. And OG was like, wow, like, it feels like a lot for mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry to say that. Because I don't feel like he says a lot, but, like, when he does, it means something. It means something, yep. So, 
yeah, just having someone like that, he just puts his heart out on the line. How are you gonna how are you gonna wanna play bad for it? someone that's going to like literally takes like five charges a game. How do you want to play bad for that? You know, how don't you want to get better? Like there's two, like look at Fred Van Vliet. He sees Kyle Lowry. Okay. He's a small guard. I'm a small guard. He plays defense. I'm play defense too. You know, like he follows that, um, that career path. Like I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So at end Messiah, just with all the moves and stuff like that, uh, just the boldness of training the De- Demar. Like Demar was the man here. Like he oh, was yeah. the like he was that guy here, right? And you trade him for Kawhi, and people don't even like Kawhi was like top seven. Like that's how people were thinking about him. And there's still like, oh, is he ever going to be the same guy? Maybe you know when he came back last season, he didn't look that good. So um, the, people were like they're skeptical. It wasn't like they traded for like top two player right away. Yeah, it wasn't like that. So just the boldness of that too. And then um, just, yeah, like he, he signed Stanley Johnson to like a two-year deal. It's just like small things like that. Even if they don't work, it's just the boldness of it. Okay, if this works, you know, it's another steal. It's another steal for um, for me and the team, right, for cheap. So, yeah, just Masai and Lowry is just uh, – I want to give them the testament. Also, DeRozan for like building the the respect for the team. I feel like even if they're getting make, making jokes – People are still like in the regular season, like, yo, that's a tough team to beat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess LeBron, I know like everyone folded, but um, yeah, you just, you have to respect the franchise as a whole. So yeah, I think I mean, this like, is Masai and Lowry mainly. Yeah. From an unbiased perspective, like you got, like, Masai is pretty much like invaluable because like how, how good he's been on the margins is incredible. Like, and I think he, it's such a hard thing to do to look yourself in the eye and like, look, I've built a really damn good team, but we're not good enough. Like, mm-hmm. there's just – and, like, that's, this is why I loved what Houston did by trading Capella. It's like, we're yeah. good, but we're, our goal isn't to be good. We want to win a championship, and mm-hmm. this is going to give us – this is raising our ceiling, and I'm all about raising ceilings in the NBA. The ultimate goal is to win a championship. That's what everyone's mm-hmm. goal is. And when you get into June and everyone says – Oh, oh, the Warriors are going to win. Oh, the Lakers are going to win. You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So give yourself the best shot possible to win it all. And to, that was like the ballsiest trade ever to trade for Kawhi. And it's pretty crazy because Kawhi doesn't get that bounce and they lose to Sixers. And he Masai, leaves. And like, yeah. I mean, Masai, and then he leaves Masai. It's crazy. Like, and there's just like, there's so much. I mean, obviously there's luck involved with this basketball. Like it's, it's always going to be, but like, I just have to give so many, so much props for to Masai, like, legitimately looking himself in the mirror and say, look, I built a great team with a great coach. Like, firing Dwayne Casey to bring in Nick Nurse. Like, yeah. Casey, like, looking himself in the eye and saying, look, I, we have an organization with Dwayne Casey, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, and, like, we're going to be a really good regular season team for a long time. And just, like, the balls to blow that up, but by, like, because he knew, look, we can do something bigger here. And, like, one the stones to do that and then two like to actually execute it like you just can't praise that enough it's pretty crazy yeah and it's going to be interesting how they're going to move forward too like i don't think people understand how uh big this free agency is going to be i'm not even just talking about Giannis, just in general like you know um for people that don't know Giannis has like a huge connection to toronto because Masai brought him to the states like he like he made that like he did the visa and everything like he has a connection to Masai. uh there could be a what's it called Giannis could be the face of the african basketball brand that he's trying to build the um, giants of africa right mm-hmm. so 
yeah, so that's like that could be a, a big signing too. And just like, what what uh, are they going to continue to contend? Are they going to say, okay, Pascal's our number one guy. We love his de- like development every year. Or are they going to like trade for someone else and just have uh, Siakam as the the perfect uh, number two guy, right? And the guys are old. Like Lowry's like thirty four. Yeah, like it's it's crazy, right? Like Marcus is old. Ibaka's old. Um, like a lot of these guys are older, so it's just going to be very interesting how he's going to reconstruct this roster. And I'm super like, I'm super like entertained with it. If we can't get Giannis, are we going to like, are we going to trade someone for a pick? Like, I don't know. Like, cause Masai wants to trade up. Like he likes trading up for drafts. So like in 2021, I'm just like, yo, I'm ready. Like, yo, DJ, <laughs> like just do it. Trade anyone. I don't care. Like, let's just have like, you know, another a restart and let's just just do it again but it's just so many avenues for it and people I, like um it's like you know things things are gonna stop like the raptors had a lot of years of winning a lot of games yeah but it's gonna have to stop like these guys are gonna get older people have to get resigned people are gonna get bags and you know people you're gonna have to appreciate it because it's not always gonna be there they're not always gonna be this good so you have to appreciate it for now so. no i mean and i just think there's something to be said like look GMs are really smart people. There's a reason there's only 30 of them. They're incredibly smart people. There's no doubt that they see these moves that could be made and maybe even know, like, I don't think that it's crazy to think that like same GMs have uh, had the same thought process as, as Maury and as Masai, but like having the balls and job security to do it, like the job security thing is such an important thing when you're looking at this Raptors rebuild because Masai is not going anywhere. And so he is going to be willing to take risks that other GMs just wouldn't take. And like, that is how you get to where he got to. And like, Mm -hmm. it's just super interesting when you're thinking about it. And like, there's probably no one I'd trust with a rebuild more than him right now, just Mm -hmm. because he's been so, so good there. Um, But yeah, man, like the thing with Larry is I'm most, the thing that I'm most intrigued to see is like Larry has been so essential to them for the past, like, I mean, like five years, especially like recent history, because he's that perfect overqualified off guard that we were talking about. Right. Like Mm -hmm. he can space the floor. He can create for his own shot. He's incredible defender. Like he just makes winning plays and it makes it so much easier to raise your floor and raise your ceiling because then it's like, okay, we just need that star, you know? So that's why it makes that trade easier for Masai to make. Cause it's like, then we really have something here because Kyle, like Kyle as a number two is really, really damn good. So then you pair him with Kawhi, like, and now Siakam, I think can be a number one, like the opportunity, like it's really endless for them, but like replacing Lowry is going to be really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough. Like you still don't, um, the only thing I'm worried about the team is just how many guys, like my favorite players are like the, Devin Booker, Tatum, KD, Kawhi, big wins that can like handle, create their own shot, space create, and just pull up, right? But I don't think we have one guy that can consistently do that. And yeah. even if I see Pascal has a lot of flashes doing it, doesn't like to do it. I think you've seen me ranting about it all the time. Oh, yeah. posting, <laughs> posting up like he's a King Olajuwon. I'm like, you're a big wing. Please take a take a pick a pick a roll, take a pull up three, please. Just do it. But yeah, just um someone who has that mindset. So I just really want a guy that can really like, like I've been advocating for Lamella on the Raptors. I just want to see some cool shit. Like, yeah, you know, like winning, I'm not gonna lie. Like winning, like winning with like efficient basketball, it gets boring sometimes, you know, like the, I, I cannot relate to that. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, the, well, the <laughs> knock is like the only knock I have for the team is that it gets kind of still sometimes like, yeah, 
it, it's it's a great feeling to know that your team's gonna have a great chance of winning, but then you're gonna have to see more. Like at the end of the day, basketball is entertainment. So I just really need to. I just really want that guy on the team that could do that. So that's only no. And I I think I'm. It, look, I, like some people are like, oh my god, he's he's being so greedy. Like he, he's not appreciate <laughs> winning, but like. I've, I'm like a New York Giants fan, and like I've so we won the Super Bowl in what 2012. Like, people don't understand the weight that is off your shoulders as a fan. You're like, oh my god, I have that fulfillment moment. Like, I'm chilling now. Like, it's like mm. you want to see, like nothing is gonna ever get better than the Raptors being the Warriors. Like, yeah. I'm just sorry. Like, it's nothing is gonna top that. And that playoff run as a Raptors fan, I legitimately can't even imagine that. So mm. now you're at the stage where it's like we won, we got to the top of the mountain where are we going next kind of thing and yeah. like you want like i i do think it's it's real and it's not being greedy it's like okay let's we won that's great we have a great team i don't want to hold on to this for too long that we set ourselves back for the future like is that yeah. where you're kind of at yeah it's like we need that next guy like we yep. need that next like we need those next guys like we need og to take a leap we need siakam to be the number one we need february to be like an elite pull-up shooter like you know we need bring another guy like this year i want to swing for if Jaden mcdonald's falls so low take him like just take him i think that's like, one of my favorite fits yeah like, into the raptors and the late first yeah i'm just like take him because if that becomes something like that'll be like like i'll be i'll, I'll want to follow that i want to see a young guy we don't have a lot of young guys the youngest guy's 22 og's like, you know, that's not really that young compared to other teams. I want to see that young guy come um, into that system and just develop in that start. I want to see that. Like, yep. That, yep. I think that's amazing. That's why I love watching the Suns. Like, I've been on the Suns for hype train for a long time. Like, I so just I'm going to talk them. about the Suns because yeah. I wanted to close this with give me your, like, one favorite takeaway from the bubble. And I was going to talk about Suns because I mm-hmm. have apologized, but I owe Suns Twitter a massive apology. So, I don't know if you – a couple months ago, we did, like, a whole draft Twitter mock draft. Yeah. And I was picking for the Suns. And, like, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't think anyone was going to give a shit about this. So, yeah. like, I didn't think people were going to, like, actually care. Mm-hmm. And so – I'm at, I'm at the Suns at 10. And I'm like, oh, but I don't want to pick Patrick Williams. And like, well, like, why do I want to do that? Like, let, let's go get them. And then the, whoever had the pick for number three, this is what happened. Okongu went first and Killian went two. So I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Person at three, like Lamelo's on the board. And he's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm willing to trade the pick. So I DM him. I'm like, yo, yo, I need this pick. Like, I need Melo. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, give me a first and Macau. And I was like, done. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, all right, whatever. Like, I gave a future, a 2021 first and Macau to move up, like, eight spots. And I took LaMelo, and Suns fans wanted to kill me. Like, literally wanted to kill me. Like, whatever. And I was like, they don't get it. Like, they're going to be so mediocre. Like, look at the West. They're not taking that leap. Like, imagine a book and LaMelo pairing. Like, you got to raise the ceiling. Like, you got to do this, whatever, whatever. And, look, I still think some of that, like, exists. Like, I do think they need one more guy because I don't know. I'm like – Maybe, maybe that's just me being lower on Aiton and Big Man who aren't, like, great on defense, but whatever. I owe the Suns fans an apology because I love watching the Suns. Like, Book is incredible. DeAndre Aiton has, like, really taken a leap, I think, on both ends. And Macau, like, it's pretty crazy that Macau literally hit, like, a 15, like, 10, even 5 percentile shooting outcome, and, like, he's still this good. Like, yeah. that's why I love Vassell, you know? Like, it's, like, guys that are that good on both ends, and obviously I don't think Vassell is as good as Macau is at point of attack, so there's that. But, like, offensively, he'll probably be a little better. But anyways, the Suns, like, the bubble Suns have been awesome. 
I'm happy for all my like son's followers that didn't ridicule me and had a good engagement that day because now I can cheer for you and be happy for you. Um, they deserve it. Now, I mean, if the Suns start winning, then I guess the Knicks have to start winning soon. So I mean, maybe that's something. Yeah, the Suns, like, I like them a lot. Um, because I know I had this take. I was saying, like, if Aiden didn't get suspended and, like, Baines didn't get hurt or anything, they, they would have been, like, the nine seed or they would have made the playoffs. Made that the was my yeah. take, right? And, um, uh, like, a lot of people like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, the a lot of people have these preconceived notions that, like, oh, like, you know, like, the Suns kind of messed up with Devin Booker, you know. They, they took a while to get a team around him, right? Yep. But people don't understand. This is a new GM. James Jones has actually done a pretty solid job. Like, I won't say phenomenal, but a pretty solid job. The, the moves he did were kind of bold, and they ended up well. So, um, just people need to understand. Like, I hate when, like, I hate when Draymond said that, like, Devin Booker needs to leave. I'm like, bro, they're 4-0. Like, what are you I love and Look, I love Draymond. Dr- I always stand Draymond, but it's like, dude, yeah. shut up. Yeah, like, like shut up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, not everyone has to do that, like, that AU culture type of thing, you yep. know? Yep. Like just teaming up. But, yeah, I just – but I always just love the Suns. I love uh, Mikal. I love Cam Johnson. Um, just all of these guys just, just play well together. Yeah, um, the only thing they're missing is just, like, that guy that's just – like, the aggression guy. And that's Ubre. Like, I don't think people understand that. Like, Ubre has been really good for them. Ubre has been really, really yeah. good for them. Like, considering what was, what was viewed as, like, a temporary thing, like, just to make the trade work, like – Ubre is really, really good for them. Yeah, that was a steal. That was like they got Trevor. They got Trevor Reese only for a few months, and they gave up Ubre. And that yeah. just talks about how bad the Wizards like front office is. <laughs> but yeah, just Ubre was that guy. Just that guy that brought that energy for them. And I think they're like lacking that. And I think the next step is when you have multiple wings. I think PDS said this once time. It's like when you have multiple wings, someone's gonna reach like an unlikely outcome. And mm-hmm. even if they're not, they don't become good enough. They can become a trade piece. So even if you don't think Uber is that guy, he has the numbers for for you to get a guy. Like you know, to get like, um, if you if you what's it called if you make a package, you can make a package for a like a player that could take you over the hump. So just um, I just love that. Just I just love that team, man. I just love that team, and I love Devin Booker too. I mean, so yeah, that and essentially like that wing development thing is that's my pitch for like the Hawks to take Vassell. Like you throw Vassell Reddish. Hunter, even though I think Hunter's probably more of a four long term, but those three with Herder, throw them all together and see what happens, you know? Yeah. I'm all in for that. So you you got any last words? Tell if you if not, tell the people where they can find you. But if you got anything you have to get off your chest, let me hear it. Uh um hmm. No, I don't. I don't have anything. I'm all good. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Tell tell the listener. First of all, thank you so much for coming on. This was a ton of fun. Definitely have to do yeah. this again soon. But tell the people where they can find you. All right. So uh, my YouTube channel is called Sub Me In Coach. So all you have to do is just type that. It's uh, spaces not. You don't have to combine the words all together. Just <laughs> type in Sub Me In Coach. You'll find my YouTube channel. Make videos about NBA players, high school players, and um, NBA draft prospects. And I think you'll like them. They're only like about like eight minutes long. They're not super crazy. And I think you'll like them if you want to watch basketball. So if you're just interested in that. So go subscribe to that. I'm trying to get 10K at the end of the year. It's a pretty bold move because I'm at 3K right now. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. And on Twitter, you can follow me at Robot Tussin. Um, and yeah, just I just talk about uh, I just talk about every team, not just the Raptors. Like, don't worry, I'm not like a solely like a Raptors guy. But yeah, that that's where you could find me. That that's the only two things.
No, I can confirm. I'm big fan of all your videos. Um, and definitely, if you watch any kind of hoops, definitely give my man a follow on Twitter. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. As for me, I just threw up an article on my tw- favorite 2021 prospects and already look at that. That's on my website. So you guys can check that out. And again, Robel, thank you for joining me, my man. And to all the listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. This was a ton of fun. All right, appreciate it, man.